0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John.
1: Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ.
0: When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Those of us who are parents and certainly those who are attentive aunts and uncles know what it is to see a child about to do something that you wish they wouldn't do. And you want to impart your wisdom upon them, of course, very judiciously, not to push them away, but to help them to avoid something that might hurt them. Or get them into some kind of trouble that you've probably been in, and you don't want them to go there. And it's very hard, because uh, children resist that for some reason. I guess none of us like to uh, be told what to do. But uh, Lou and I, over the years, uh, with our boys, back in the days when cassette tapes were all the rage, we had an arrangement, because it became very clear that we were repeating ourselves so often, that when uh, Scott or Mark would go off and start to do something they shouldn't. I would say play replay tape 24 and they, I didn't have to say what I was going to say. They knew what I was going to say. It's uh, it's really hard for us to impart wisdom to another by just telling them. it seems we have to experience it and part of that experiencing involves uh, getting into trouble, doing things that we probably shouldn't do, going astray. And it also involves doubts and questions. And I think that Thomas in today's gospel, as one person in our midweek study group said, he was put there for us because we really are like Thomas. Thomas had not been with the disciples that day. And I I wonder where he was. How could Thomas not be with them that day? (laughs) This is the day of the resurrection. And it's that evening. The disciples are together in a closed room. The doors are locked. They're they're afraid. They're staying there in fear of the authorities. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them and he says, peace be to you. And it it was a common greeting. And it must have uh, been very wonderful for them to hear it. But especially that night, as they begin to realize who it is that was standing before them, the risen Christ. But Thomas hadn't been with them. So when Thomas showed up and they told him that they had seen the risen Christ, Thomas could not believe. And he said, unless I can put my finger in in the nail prints in his hands and put my hand in his side where he has his wound, he said, I will not believe. Now one can imagine that over the following week, there was a lot of pressure on Thomas because the other disciples must have been celebrating this wonderful reality that. Christ had risen. The Lord had risen and was with them in a real way. So there must have been pressure on Thomas. Believe us, Thomas. I'm sure they told him over and over. It's true. You can believe it. But Thomas could not. Well, a week later, they are again in the house, as the text says. And Jesus, the door was closed and Jesus appears to them. And this time. Rather than Thomas having to ask anything or to inquire at all, Jesus responds specifically to Thomas and he says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. It's a shame, I think, that often Thomas is remembered as doubting Thomas, and uh, it's probably better that we not always refer to him that way. Probably better to call him Thomas, the one that was the twin. But Thomas really represents us, and I think also probably the disciples in many ways. In this story about Jesus appearing to Thomas, we see the struggle of an honest man. Looking for answers that were important to him. It wasn't something he was going to pass off lightly. He wanted answers. He wanted to truly know. And in that way, he is so much like us. Well, as I was uh, thinking about this, I, my mind went back to some reading I had done in seminary about how faith is developed. And it was done, uh, the, the work was done by John Westerhoff. He's an Episcopal priest and a noted Christian educator. And he's come up with what he calls the stages of faith. And I've found them over the years to be very helpful in understanding my own faith development, but especially in understanding the faith development of our children and of children that are part of the parish. He says that the first experience of faith that we have is imitating others. And we see that as children are taught night prayers or they're taught the Lord's Prayer And little children don't understand necessarily what those words mean, but they know that they're important because their parents have taught them and they see their parents praying those prayers. So our first experience of faith, in a sense, is imitation of those around us who are expressing their faith. The second stage, he says, is a growing awareness of the importance of the group. Uh, A child will often talk about our church or my church or my Sunday school class or my friends at church It's a a real connection to a community. And I think it's important for us to always remember that the Christian faith really is practiced in community. Very hard to be a Christian alone. And I think part of the reason for that is because our faith is buoyed up by the faith of others. And and it's part of what happens, I think, in this particular stage of faith that we have a sense that we are a part of something that is greater than ourselves. And then he says that we enter into something which is uh, scary for parents and maybe scary even for mentors of youth groups. And it's what he calls searching faith. It's when a child says, I don't believe in God. Or why do we go to church? I just don't believe in that stuff. And there's a sense of, of searching, perhaps even rejecting what we might call our old time religion and a real search for what they would believe. It's, a, it's looking for what it is that I believe. We see this uh, with adolescents. It's also often the case when uh, children leave home, they go off to work or they go off to uh, uh, higher education. And there they begin to really explore what it is that they believe. What is their faith going to be? And it's a trying time, I think, for parents. And it's a trying time, perhaps, for church school teachers as they struggle through those times of searching faith. The real tragedy is that sometimes people feel forced from their church when they raise those questions, because that stage can occur later in life as well, when we ask questions that, Someone in authority might not want to hear and express doubts that others might look might look upon as seeing it as a lack of faith or not fitting in to what we believe. The Russian writer Dostoevsky talked about this aspect of faith, and he says, my Hosannas have been forged in the crucible of doubt And the theologian Paul Tillich put it this way. The old faith must die eaten away by doubts but only so that a new and deeper faith might be born and then Westerhoff finally says that we uh, emerge into what we would call own faith the faith that is truly ours we own it and that is the faith that we live with often as adults and we struggle with day after day I think the model that he has is helpful in understanding how we develop in our faith but I think it's oversimplified. I think the reality is that many of us go through some of those stages again and again. Every day, I believe we are trying to make sense out of our faith in light of our life, in light of the experiences that we have day in and day out, the changes that come upon us that we don't like, the ups and downs, the tragedies, the failures, the sense that we really are lost. How do we connect our faith? with those moments in our lives so that every day, as the Benedictines would say, we are called really to repentance, to turning again, to finding out what it is that I truly believe. Well, I think that that struggle is part of what Thomas shows us, that we should not be afraid to doubt. We should never be afraid to ask questions because it is only in that questioning and in that Asking that we grow deeper and deeper in our faith. I believe that Jesus came back a week later, specifically for Thomas. Jesus, the good shepherd, could not let one be left behind. And Jesus, the good shepherd, will not let one of us be left behind either. We don't need to fear our doubts. We don't need to fear the questions. Because that is how our faith is deepened. And Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Amen.